You're listening to the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. This show may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. The following paragraphs are from Chapter 1 of Asuna China Dolls, Cut Open My Veins, and See the Cosmos, I Bleed for You. The silhouette of his savior shrouds him from sunlight. He looks to the armored figure standing at the mouth of the bunker. He stares. His heart pounds against his sternum, the roar of blood rushing in his ears, drowning out the outside explosions. Why is this happening? He does not understand. He does not understand. His eyes burn with unshed tears, boiling at the rim. The Mandalorian's hand lifts of its own accord, index fingers stretching slowly towards the small being. It's to make sure the asset is not a threat, he tells himself. The figure outstretches a gloved hand. He stares. The asset eyes his finger for a moment before it glances back to his visor. It's as if the asset is being wary of him. The figure leans in, gently beckoning him forward with a wave of his hand. He hesitates. He wiggles his finger, an attempt to make his silent offering more enticing. It's okay. I won't hurt you. The asset blinks, and then it reaches out. He grabs the offered hand, small fingers wrapped around leather. He does not look back. The Mandalorian inhales as three little digits wrap around his own. The asset coos, squeezing his finger. Something in his chest lifts, not quite a clicking into place, but rather a subtle unearthing of a nameless feeling, like a new twinkle in the sky after a star is born. He exhales through his nose once the asset releases him, sitting back easily into its bassinet. He nods once. Setting the floating bassinet to follow him, the Mandalorian turns and starts walking. He does not look back. To the north, south, east, and west, four corners of the world, greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Welcome to Episode 5. Our special guest author today is Asuna Chinadoll. She has been a member of AO3 since 2017 and has posted a total of 26 fanfiction stories in the following fandoms. Iron Man, Undertale... The Avengers, Detroit Become Human, Spider-Man, Rogue One, Star Wars, and The Mandalorian. She describes herself as a tired college student who likes to read other fan works and support her fellow authors. When she isn't reading and writing fan fiction, she loves to draw, watch funky Let's Players on YouTube, and browse her Tumblr feed. Asuna China Doll, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to have you. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, wonderful. I'm so glad that you got to join us today. Oh, thank you. Was there anything that you'd like to add or correct about that bio that I just read? That sounds good to me. It sounds pretty accurate. Great. Well, let's dive right in here. I always like to start at the beginning of people's fanfiction journey. Could you tell us about the time that you first discovered fanfiction? Do you remember how that felt? And do you remember why you liked it? Ah, uh, yes. The very beginning. You know, the very first time I came across fanfiction, I'm pretty sure it was back in my Wattpad days, back when I used Wattpad. 
But at the time, I didn't actually know that it was referred to as fanfiction. But I remember one story I came across, it was like a canon divergence alternate universe of Disney's Tangled. And the other one was some Avatar The Last Airbender fanfiction. But when I read the summaries, they piqued my interest. But I don't think I read very far into those works because I don't really remember them that well past that point. But I think the actual first time that I got really into reading fanfiction was back in high school and I got really obsessed with this little indie game called Undertale and I had read a lot of fan comics off of DeviantArt and Tumblr but it got to a point where I was running out of content and so that's when I decided to pick up fanfiction and to backpedal there just a tad there was definitely the, the stigma that I had heard about fanfiction but it was mostly the thought of like where do I even start? You know, there are lots of popular fan fictions for Undertale, like going around at the time. So I just kind of picked one that seemed really good and interesting to me. It's called The Scientist by Talking Soup. And honestly, reading that fan fiction, it was definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made because it was that particular fanfic that really got me sucked into the fan fiction world. And all of the beautiful, beautiful things that it had to offer. Do you remember why you liked that particular fanfiction? I think it was just the way it was written and like the storyline and the plot and the characters. I think it really surprised me in a way. It was really impressive and I got so into it and I was like, this is so good. Like, why aren't more people reading this and why aren't people like getting into fanfiction? Because I mean... The whole thing about fanfiction, too, is that it's taking characters that you already love and that you're already invested in, in that world, and it's just, you get sucked into it, and you gotta, like, want more content of the characters that you love so much. That's one of my favorite things about fanfiction, is fanfiction's ability to give us more of what we love, more interaction with the characters, more ability to see them in different situations and scenarios that we might not be able to see them in with regular canon. Oh yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, it really just opened my eyes to just amazing storytelling with characters that I already adored and had investment in. And then, you know, what each individual writer brought to the table, like what they did in their writing to expand on the already established world. When did you first write your first piece of fanfiction? And what was that experience like? You know, I've had Tumblr asks like this one before, and I always responded with every step. It's my first fanfiction that I had posted on AO3, and it's my first and unfortunately last fanfiction that I wrote for the Undertale fandom. But I was looking through my files the other day, and I actually think my very first fanfic, it was sort of like a weird dystopian world, like based off of the events of Jurassic Park. <laughs> I don't know how that would have worked exactly, but I think I, you know, I remember at the time that it seemed like a really good idea. But I think I got like two chapters in before my ambitions waned out with that story. Sorry to any of my Wattpad readers who had wanted to see where that story was headed because honestly, you know, I do too. But back to every step, it was just an idea that I got in my head and it seemed really cool to me at the time. So I wrote it and I posted it. And honestly, I was just excited to see any attention that I got. I knew by that time, the game was a couple years old so I wasn't expecting any big feedback on my fanfiction or anything, but I do remember getting my first comment. 
I was hanging out at my cousin's house and it just happened to check my email and I was so shocked and ecstatic to see the email, you know, comment on every step. But you know, I'm always excited to see that email from AO3. But I opened it up and I read the comment and it really was just the nicest thing anyone could have said to me. Like, I know a lot of people would probably say that about their first comment, but honestly, it's true. That particular comment really, it felt deeply personal almost, and it really touched me. And even now, I, I remember it quite fondly. So, yeah. That sounds like a beautiful introduction to writing your first fan fiction. I've heard so many authors say that getting that first comment or that first kudos was really inspirational to them in their journey of writing fan fiction and sharing it with the community. Oh, for sure. Now, your most recent stories have been in the Mandalorian fandom. Can you tell us how you became involved in that particular fandom? Yes. Din Djarin and Baby Grugu, the loves of my life right now. <laughs> I remember the hype around the show back before season one had come out and seeing the trailer. And my friends, who are way more into Star Wars than me, they were very, very excited about it. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you here. I wasn't all that excited. <laughs> I mean, I like not as much as most people, I guess. Because at the time, I was very, very deep into the Marvel fandom. More specifically, the relationship of Iron Dad, or the father-son bond between Tony Stark and Peter Parker in the MCU movies. So I was already preoccupied. But then I sat down and I watched the first episode of The Mandalorian. And while Love at First Sight doesn't really happen to me, Love at First Episode? Absolutely. And then after that, all it took was a little searching through AO3 and then following some Mando blogs and Tumblr. And now here we are. Now, did you become involved with The Mandalorian during the first season? Or was the first season ongoing when you first discovered The Mandalorian? Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched the first episode the day it was released. It was either the day it was released or like the next day. But yeah, it definitely like it just came out. And I remember watching it at my cousin's house. And they had already seen it, but they were saying, that like, oh, like, you guys will probably really like this. It's really good and interesting for this episode. So, like, okay, you know, I'll sit down and watch this. I'm intrigued, at least. But, yeah, watching the first episode, it definitely was like, wow, this show is not what I thought it was going to be. And this is really interesting. And then I was sucked into the rabbit hole, and I haven't been able to crawl out. But not that I want to. Yeah, not that any of us want to. I remember that for some reason, when The Mandalorian came out, I didn't actually watch it for quite some time. It was Christmas of last year when somebody finally sat me down on the couch and turned on The Mandalorian and said, you're going to watch this. And by that time, all of the episodes had already been released. So I got to watch it from beginning to end in like two days time or something like that. And I was just enthralled going, what is this? It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> no, that's so cool. I had to wait every week for the episode to come out. Oh, that was me in season two. Season two, I knew was coming out. And I sat there every Friday night and it was like holy night. You know, that's my church. I go and I worship at the altar of the Mandalorian because I was so excited for that season two and it didn't disappoint. So Oh man, yeah. That was my friend and I, a good friend of mine. We, every Friday, we would at least get on the phone with each other and we'd have our Disney Plus pulled up 
and you'd have like the episode all the way at zero and we were like all right are you ready okay on three two one and then we'd start and we'd watch it together and uh, we call them good mythical mando mornings so it was really a treat to get to watch them with her We'd have a good time and we'd fangirl together and it was really fun. Oh, I love that. Yes, I totally agree that The Mandalorian is so much better when you watch it with somebody else. Because every time that something dramatic happens, I would turn, right? And watch my brother's face. Or I'd watch my husband's face and be like, did you just see that? That was so cool. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, me and my friend were the same way. We were, we were like, screaming at each other through the phone, like, oh, my God, did you see what just happened? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> Now, what is it specifically about The Mandalorian that really draws you in? You know, it's kind of interesting because prior to season two's release, if you had asked me this same question before, then I would have given you a bit of a different answer. Because what I loved about season one was the small town feel of it. You know, it was just a simple story following a man, a bounty hunter, who became fairly like apathetic, you know, towards his work and just his daily life in general. And then he comes across, you know, this child. It really, it, at first it was just a job, but then, you know, it became so much more to him. It was, you know, a child. You know, he saw himself in that child. And he eventually comes to love the child as his own son. And that's what I really loved about season one. It was a simple story, but, you know, I just also happened to be taking place in the world of Star Wars, which made it really, really cool. But since season two, the story has expanded. It's definitely, like, gone a lot from there into something that falls more into the bigger world of Star Wars, even touching the mainstream storylines. Like, I know Chapter 12, The Siege, was definitely touching on stuff that happened in, like, the sequel trilogies that we've already seen from those movies. And it's definitely not a bad thing at all. In fact, I, I found myself enjoying Season 2 more overall versus Season 1. But at the end of the day, the only thing really keeping me around at this point is the relationship between Din Djarin and Grogu, which is the whole foundation of the show. I love watching the relationship between father and son and watching the change from season one to season two, because I think that the writers of the show and the actors really do a wonderful job showing us the progression of that father-son relationship and how it grows and changes over time. Oh, yeah, I agree 100%. And I know a lot of people have already commented on this specifically, but Pedro Pascal's acting is just phenomenal. And, you know, it's kind of funny that, like when you actually realize that it's just one guy acting with a puppet. But <laughs> we, I'm so invested in their story, though. Like, I can't help it. And you have to be really talented to be dressed up head to toe in Beskar armor. And you can't even see his face in most of the shots. But he still does such a wonderful job at the inflection when he speaks that you still feel like you know him on a deep level, even though you can't see his face most of the time. So. Oh yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, and I know there's actually, Pedro Pascal's not the only one in the armor. They have a couple others that at least wear the armor at certain points. Uh, I know there's Brendan Wayne, there's Latif, I believe his last name is, and then I think there's one other guy, but I'm so sorry, I can't remember his name right now. But it's really cool to just see just kind of how all of them encompass this one character and how well they do. Just like body language acting alone. It really just makes the character feel more like a real person, you know, at least to me. It's quite impressive. It's a very dynamic relationship and it's been so much fun to see the progression between the seasons and everything. 
Now, what characters from The Mandalorian do you feel like you relate to the most and why? So I know a lot of people when they're watching a show or, you know, a movie or, 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 or whatever, they connect to certain characters because there's characters remind them of themselves or they might just be in a particular part of their life that they relate to. But for me personally, I just have a character type. I just have a certain character type and when I see that character in that piece of media, I'm like, oh, you know, I know I'm already going to love you. So for example, Din Djarin is the gruff sort of hesitant father at first, but becomes more attached to his little son. And I love that about him. It's definitely one of my character types. And if you read or like if you know any of the fandoms that I'd been in prior to that, like I was very heavily into Iron Dad, which is sort of the same idea of Tony Stark's sort of, you know, at first hesitant, but starting to really like love Peter as a son figure in a way. But yeah, I just have a certain character type that if they're in a piece of media and I immediately just latch onto them and I tend to love them. And it's not that I relate to them per se, because I'm not a parent myself, but it's more so seeing qualities in those characters that I find attractive, for lack of a better word. I guess the question, you know, I answer is like, would I want to be friends with this person? Do they seem like a nice, cool person that I would want to hang out with? Oh, that's really cool. Because I feel like you can do that with a lot of different fictional characters. Right? And that's kind of what we do with fan fiction, isn't it? We try to imagine them in different scenarios. And yeah, I can totally see picking a character and thinking, hmm, what would it be like to be with this particular character in real life? We could probably be friends. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. I personally, I don't write self-insert or like OC insert fan fiction. I know those are very, very popular. That's just not what I personally write, though, because... I like to expand on specific relationships that are already taking place in canon. But it's definitely fun. You know, like, do, do I find this person, like, cool and attractive? Like, yeah, would I want to hang out with them? I hear what you say about the reader inserts. I have noticed that with The Mandalorian specifically... Yes, there's quite a bit of it. Yeah, and I can't figure out why that is because I do read fan fiction in a wide variety of different fandoms. And I've been reading fan fiction for a long, long time. And I have seen reader insert stories in other fandoms, but I have noticed that in The Mandalorian specifically, there are a lot of self-insert stories, which is fine. I understand that a lot of people really enjoy those. I don't read them myself. Yeah, I'm the same way. I get it. Like, I get the appeal. And, like, I like Din Djarin. As He's a good character. I like him a lot. And I do find him attractive, in a sense. I personally don't want to actually be with him, though. I, I would rather see him be with other characters, like Grogu, or um, I've even written fanfiction, ship fanfiction, specifically for The Mandalorian and Omera, or The Widow from Chapter 4 of Season 1, because I like the idea of their relationship a lot. I like exploring relationships that are in the canon world versus self-inserts, you know, or, or whatever, for me personally. Yeah, I'm the same way. I do tend to gravitate more towards the stories that do explore existing relationships in the material that already exists. Now, I have read several of your Mandalorian stories. The ones that I enjoyed the most were The Part of Me That Is You and also your Mandalorian Honey and Wildfire Are the Same Color series. 
If someone who's never read those stories before were to ask you what those stories are about, how would you describe those stories to them? Well, I definitely fall into the area of I love and trust you very much if I tell you that I write fan fiction. <laughs> you know, it just I'm just going to ignore the fact that the whole internet knows now. You know, it's fine. You, you guys are cool. <laughs> but if it was someone that I didn't know very well, I would be pretty vague and probably just say something along the lines of, Oh, it's just like a story about a single father and his son just trying to live their lives. <laughs> but if you do know me, then I'd probably just say flat out that it's just Mandalorian and Baby Yoda fan fiction. <laughs> well, hey, it's true, right? <laughs> That's an honest answer. Absolutely. Your fan fiction story, The Part of Me That Is You, that was the first one of yours that I read. And I thought it was so beautiful and emotional. It's a one shot. Where did you come up with the idea for that particular story, and what made you want to tell it? First of all, thank you for the little compliment there. After the rather traumatic, like, last five minutes of Chapter 14, or titled The Tragedy, I had a whole ton of fails, and they just needed to come out. And fanfiction was just the perfect thing for me. I was particularly inspired by the beginning of that episode, that scene where Din and Grogu are, they're just kind of hanging out on the Razor Crest right before they land on Tython. And they have this conversation, you know, all the one-sided, where Din is explaining to Grogu and to himself that leaving Grogu with his people, or i.e. the Jedi, is the right thing to do. And I really loved that scene. But I also, I wanted a little bit more there too at the same time. So, hence me getting the idea to expand on that moment with my fanfiction. I had this very clear image in my head of what I wanted to do with my fanfiction and the direction I wanted to go with it. Even certainly the dialogue, especially the moment where Din shares his, his name with Grogu. And I personally felt like that would have been a pretty emotionally logical place for that to happen. Considering everything that had happened prior to that and then the unknown events that were ahead for them. You know, if Din wasn't going to share his face with Grogu yet, then I feel like the sharing of his name is almost as intimate and special and vulnerable for him. But it also just goes to show how much Din loves his son. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely why I wrote that little one shot out. That was my favorite part. That the whole premise of the one shot was Din wanting to share something very beautiful and intimate with his son. Because we only learned Din Djarin's actual name in the last, the second to last episode, I think, of the first season. And Grogu is not present when he shares his name, right? So this whole time, Grogu doesn't even know. Yeah, well, I think Grogu's. I believe Grogu is there. And maybe maybe I'm misremembering, but I think it's the finale. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, Grogu isn't there yet. Because, yeah, IG-11 hadn't come in yet. Yeah, no, you're right. I completely misremembered that. But yeah, yeah, so Grogu, he doesn't know. Yeah, he doesn't know Din's name. Yeah, he doesn't know Din's name. And also, you know, it's kind of been... I think it's kind of one of the more quieter things about the show... I mean, we don't even know, like, the whole time we're watching season one, we don't even know the name of our main character. We just know him as the Mandalorian, and we're following him in his story. And, you know, not even people that he becomes close to, like Cara Dune or Grief Karga, like, they don't even know his name. I think that's one of the elements of his creed, perhaps. I'm not exactly sure there. It wasn't really explained directly to the audience or anything like that. But specifically that, that speech that Moff Gideon says 
at the end there. He just, you know, name drops Din in front of everyone. And I think that was just a really, in a sense, it was like a power move for Moff Gideon to just say that. As in, like, letting the audience and Mando know that, like, yeah, I know who you are. Definitely didn't, like, he, that's something that he holds very close to him. Not even his name is something that he shares with many people. So I felt that, but like, with my fanfiction... Din and Grogu are just at this place in their relationship that it felt pretty emotionally logical place for that to happen and Din sharing something very personal with his son. I agree with that a hundred percent. I thought it was so beautiful because I think that parents want to share special moments with their children and they often want to provide them with gifts or material things but there are times in life where we don't necessarily have have those material things to give to them and sometimes all you have to give to someone else is a story or a memory or your name and I thought that it was just so beautiful that instead of giving Grogu some sort of physical gift he gives him something so like you said so close and personal to him he gave him his name and I couldn't think of anything more beautiful for him to impart to his son at that moment. So I really, really, really loved reading that story. It was just so beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Titles, I know for a lot of authors, are very important when it comes to naming your story. What can you tell us about the titles of these stories? So, for instance, The Part of Me That Is You, that's the one shot where he gives his name. And then you also had your series that you named. So how did you come up with the names for these stories here? Well, I'm sure you've noticed by now that my thick titles are, they're absolutely ridiculous. And I love them. <laughs> it's very, you know, archive of our own, if, if that makes any sense. I either come up with my fake titles right before I hit post, or they're taken or inspired by a song lyric from just songs that I like to listen to on Spotify. I actually have a, a note in my notes app on my phone. It's just a list, and it's titled Obligatory AO3 Titles for Fix I'll Probably Never Get Around To. And then in parentheses, legit just song lyrics. I'm pretty sure you can guess what I keep on the list. But yeah, no, I, I love it. it. It's fun. It's part of the fun for me. I don't know why. It just is. <laughs> no, I love that, that these come from song lyrics. I never would have guessed that. I'm really bad at knowing the names of songs. To be honest with you, I love music, but I don't have a head for remembering the titles of songs or the artists who produce them. But that's so cool to me. And that is one of the things that I love about your stories is the titles are so unique and interesting and fun. Oh, thank you. I'm glad. I know I know for some people, they're a little bit of a mouthful. So sorry for those people. But you know, it's all in good fun. <laughs> but yeah, the part of me that is you, that is a song lyric taken from, I believe it's Always Remember Us This Way by Lady Gaga. My other fake titles in my series, those are ones that I just came up with kind of on the fly. Well, they turned out absolutely beautiful, even if they are a little bit long. But that just makes them so unique. So thank you. I'm glad that you do. Although, okay, so I will say for my mana series that for excluding part four of my mana series, because I ended up adding that one later. I'd written that one first. And I ended up adding that one later to my series because I realized that it was kind of within the same universe that it, it could have worked for my series. So I just decided to add it because why not? Oh, I will say that it's okay. So for my mana series, I'm trying to keep a certain type of title for each of the fakes so that they all kind of match. So one of the themes 
I keep in mind when I'm coming up for a fic title for that specific series is space. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's something that people have caught on to yet, though. But my first fic is Galaxies, and then my second fic is Stardust, and then my third fic is Cosmos. And I'm thinking my next one is going to be Nebulous, so there's a little... Just a little uh, sneak peek for you. But the actual series title itself, Honey and Wildfire are the same color. It's based off of a quote that I found on Pinterest one day. And it's just, I mean, the idea of like honey, which is like sweet and like syrupy and soft, you know. And then wildfire, which is, you know, powerful and warm and, and it can be dangerous. But, but I found that to be very like reminiscent or... I mean, in regards to, like, Din himself and then, you know, that duality that Din seems to have, like, his character. And it's honestly one of my favorite things about Mando is that he can be this cold, you know, ruthless bounty hunter. But then he turns around and he's, you know, a very adoring and sweet with his son. And he, he wipes up his peak with his cape and, you know, he hangs out with him on the Razor Crest. And, you know, I just, I absolutely love it. <laughs> Oh, I love that, that it's like a metaphor for Din Djarin himself and the duality, as you say, of his personality, because you're right. One minute, he can be cold and calculating and down to business, and then the next minute, he's soft with his son. <laughs> yes, I, I, I love it. <laughs> I adore it. He can be both at the same time. It's super cool. Yes. Now, what made you want to tell the Honey and Wildfire are the same color series? Like, where did the inspiration come from wanting to write that series of stories? So I started writing the first fic of that series, which is titled, it's going to be a little bit long, but it's titled, And Even If Her Galaxy is Apart, Darling, I'll Be There to Catch You. So I started writing that first fic towards the end of the show, maybe like a week or two before the last episode of season one had been released. Because really, I, I just wanted more content of my boys. By that point, I'd really just fallen in love with the father-son bond that they have. I wanted to expand on that relationship you know, in my own personal way by you know adding my own personal touch to their relationship. And I also really love angst and wump. <laughs> And making my characters suffer. And that's what I did with my first pick in that series. So, you know, just so you know, that's when I love a character is when I hurt them. <laughs> Which sounds really bad. But don't worry because they always will be okay in the end. They'll, it'll always be a happy ending. <laughs> but yeah. And then it was also inspired by reading other fan fictions at the time. Just reading so much good quality man-dad content that I wanted to share some of my own. So... Now, different authors seem to have different approaches to the actual writing process. Can you tell us about the writing process for these particular stories? Okay, so I tend to have this really vivid image in my head of just a particular scene or, you know, just like a snippet of like just a few lines of dialogue taking place between two characters that I really want to see the whole scene play out or, you know, I guess in this sense, written out. So really, I just kind of start writing and I see where it goes. But I always write things very, very close to the image that I have in mind. And because I mainly write one-shots, I find it easier to do so. Because at least with my one-shots, they're very... My premise is very simple and concise. So it's a lot easier to just have that whole scene in my head written out as a one-shot and then posting it. So it almost sounds like the beginning of the writing process for you is very visual. That you're starting out with this very visual picture of the story that you want to tell. Yeah, exactly. And then at that point, you sit down at the computer and you write it out? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I just I just sort of start writing. Or if I don't have access to my computer yet, or, um, you know, I just have a few lines of dialogue, and I'm like, oh, I kind of like that. And I just grab my phone, and I just type it out really quick. I'm in my notes app. Or I even have, like, my iPad with my Apple Pen. And I'll even sometimes I'll, like, write by hand in my notes app just a certain scene or whatever. Just a few sentences just to kind of get things going. And then I just kind of go from there. <laughs> That's so cool. Now that visual, I'm so curious because that's such an interesting way to start a fan fiction. I love that. As you're writing, does that visual picture that you have in your head change at all? Can you see the characters moving and interacting in your head? Do you see them talking to each other and creating dialogue? Actually, yeah, it's, it's very much so like that, like you were saying. It's kind of weird because sometimes even what I see in my head is already written out like words versus an actual scene. And it, I don't know, I guess it just kind of depends what I'm seeing in my mind's eye, I guess. <laughs> sometimes it'll look like it's like a movie playing out, but other times it's actually like written out words. And then I just kind of record them, kind of how I see them. I kind of just like jot them down really quick so I don't forget. And then I go from there. It is kind of interesting, I suppose. I think it's beautiful to be able to start from some sort of visual picture and then to put it down in words and not just words, but the words that you use. I'm enthralled with your writing style because it's direct and simple, but you also have this knack for putting in these really beautiful lines that are there simply for art's sake that are so beautiful when you say them out loud. So I was appreciating the simple directness of your prose, but then you would throw in a line that was just gorgeous. And I would say it out loud because it was just so beautiful to say. And I thought, oh, I love this. It's like perfect. Oh my gosh, thank you. I appreciate that. When I'm writing, at least by the end of it, I want a certain flow to my work. I just want it to really just flow really nicely and I really want like the pauses to come across just right and the pacing to come across just right so that you can get the image that I see in my head and translating that to other people. I know some people have actually commented on my works before saying that they love how, I guess, visual in a sense and direct my writing is and they see it in their heads and it makes me so happy to know I did a good, like, that's exactly what I wanted. And I'm so glad that that came across right. Yes. We were talking before the interview about the deliberate spacing that you use in your stories. Some stories of yours have it more than others, but there are several of your stories where you use the spacing on the page very deliberately to add drama and pausing, and it just flows so well. I don't see that used as often, but I could tell that in your work it was deliberate and beautifully done to add that dramatic flavor to what you were trying to say, so. Yeah, I appreciate that. I do try. Like, I, I definitely, yeah, like I was saying before, like, well, I want a very specific flow. So, yeah, every everything that I do in my writing is very deliberate. It has, it definitely, like, there's something there to it more than just kind of words on a page where it's just kind of thrown out there. But, yeah. What was the most difficult part of writing these stories? I don't think I've had a particular story that was hard to write per se. Because like I was saying before, these are typically one shots and I tend to make my premises pretty easy and concise. My actual problem is, it's just kind of funny, it's, it's a little bit of a, not quite an oxymoron, 
my problem is translating the scene in my head to the page, like exactly how I want it to be, you know, and especially like depending on what it is, because I have a very specific image in my head and I'm like, oh, I really want to translate this scene just right so that my audience kind of, at least if they don't see the same thing in their head, they feel it. Sometimes I have a hard time getting words out <laughs> in general <laughs> and getting words out on the page in the way that I want them to come across. And I know it's part of the perfectionist writer in me. You know, the first thing that a first draft has to do, has to accomplish, is basically to just exist. And I've seen that before. And I'm like, yeah, that's so true. Like, the first draft doesn't have to be perfect. It can be, you know, as rough and, you know, ugly and whatever as much as you want. Because, I mean, most people aren't going to be seeing that. Because I like to edit my works. I actually edit more than I write. I joke with my writer friends that I'm more of an editor than a writer. I barf up whatever, but I still have that image in my head so I can take away or add to the scene or to my writing. I sand down all the rough edges, you know, I, I get it to uh, that point to where I want it. And then that's when I post it. Do you think that the editing process for you is more fun than the actual writing process or vice versa? Oh, absolutely. I have so much fun editing. It's kind of weird. I The thing about editing, it's like, it's satisfying to me because I know the progress. Like, I know the process that I went through because sometimes I like to stay up late and sometimes I write really late into the night. And I know, you know, I, I read it with like, my eyes are like, they're like burning because I've been looking at my computer screen for so long and you know I'm just reading over my words again and again and they're so like blurry and you know that's at that point I'm like okay I'm just gonna go to bed and then I'll read this the next day and then you know the next day I see where my head was at but then I'm like oh, okay so now from here I can take away words or phrases or I can add them in and really get it to a point where I, I want the story to be. I always want my story to be, you know, at least in the moment, I want it to be at its highest potential as it can be. Sometimes, you know, afterwards you go and look, you read over your own works and you're like, nah, I could have, I could have switched this up or like, it's like, oh, I want to change this now. But at least in the moment, you know, I try to get it to the best place that I can. Yeah, so that's why I never post anything that I don't love. It sounds so satisfying to take something that you've been working on and then put it through that editing process and then see the final finished result at the end of it. That seems like that would be incredibly satisfying. Oh, yeah, it really is. I dabble in doodling every now and then. So it's very much like the same thing with like, I guess, visual art. I mean, because writing in itself is an art. I mean, it's like the first draft is like you're sketching out your piece. And then, you know, you know, your second draft or, you know, you go in and you, you start making edits and you start, but, you know, it's kind of like similar to like, you know, going into like line art and like you picking your favorite lines and you're drawing those. But, you know, maybe you start exaggerating certain parts of your artwork and you start bringing out certain parts of your art piece. And then, you know, you add color and then shading or, you know, whatever. But it's definitely like knowing where you started and then reaching that finished product. It's very, very satisfying for me. And it's also fun. You know, the, the process is fun. Like I said, I, I love editing. It's just really fun for me. Now, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that your writing does tend to be more emotional. 
which I love. I love emotional stories. And then you mentioned that starting a story for you is a visual process. So I imagine that you do use that visual process to get to that emotional space where you need to tell your story. Is there any other process that you use to get to that emotional space to tell your particular stories? A lot of authors say that writing is an emotional experience. Definitely to a degree, it is true for me. But at the same time, no matter what the situation is that I'm writing anyways, you know, whether it's angst or it's fluff, I just need to have the motivation in the first place to sit down and write, which I think all writers can relate to. You know, what I do do, though, is I put myself in the shoes of my characters and I try to think with them in mind, you know, what will they do in this situation and like the potential emotions and thoughts going through them while in this particular circumstance of my fan fiction. I have noticed that you've gotten quite the response on your fanfiction stories, ranging from your one-shots to the series that we discussed earlier. A lot of people have been responding positively to these. Can you tell us what have been some of your favorite responses to your stories? Oh, geez. Where do I even start with that? Because... Okay, I love and appreciate every single comment or piece of feedback that I've ever gotten on my works. And I feel like, you know, most fanfiction authors feel the same way. It really just means so much to me that people take the time out of their day to even look at my stuff, let alone like leave a comment or, you know, leave kudos. And definitely like that that reader-author participation, that's definitely one of the things that I love just about writing fanfiction. And it's knowing that whatever I write, you know, even if it's extremely self-indulgent, and I wrote it to definitely, like, please myself, to just to see it written down, that there are also people out there who want to see it too. So there are definitely some of my favorite comments are the ones that talk about my specific characterization of Din and Grogu. Or, you know, wh- whoever else, whatever, whatever character happens to be there. I know I tend to write certain characters, you know, maybe not exactly like their on-screen selves. I tend to write Din a little bit, you know, softer, I guess is the word, you know, in my works than maybe he would be in the show. I still try to get them fairly close. To further go along with that, comments that say that what I had written should have happened in the show, they always make me chuckle in a good way, of course. You know, because I don't I don't think my writings are that good to be actual like canon, I suppose, you know, in the show. But I always appreciate the sentiment. I know it's it's just so kind that people say stuff like that. And then other comments that I've gotten are on my writing style. I love those comments, even though I I don't know what to call my writing style, if I'm being honest. I love getting feedback on my stories, especially like how my stories make people feel, like make my audience feel. Because definitely, you know, the goal of my works is to take my audience on an emotional journey, you know, whether it's heavy or lighthearted. And just being able to, like I was saying beforehand, just being able to translate that image that I have in my head to my audience is way more than good enough for me. Speaking of writing and other writers, if you were talking to a less experienced writer just starting out, what advice would you give that less experienced writer? I definitely remember being a less experienced writer, and I'm not saying that I'm a very experienced writer at all, but I'm just saying I I definitely remember when I was first starting out and when I was becoming more serious about writing, 
Because writing was always something that I've enjoyed, even when I was way younger. But when I actually, you know, sat down and I tried to learn and get better with my writing, it took some time. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, you know, things that you want to get better with, they'll always take time. I did research on writing. And I read like, quote unquote, rules. I read posts online. I've had lovely, wonderful beta readers help me figure out how to get my writing to where I wanted it to go. And that's really helped me to get to where I am today. But I would definitely say to writers that are just starting out to just keep writing, you know, just keep practicing and learn to kind of like kind of flesh out who you are as an author. And also to definitely read, read a lot. Honestly, read as much as you write because reading other people's works is so, so helpful for, you know, figuring out characters and like arcs and how to structure things like plot or themes or, you know, so on and so forth. And also definitely another thing, whenever you come across things online that say things like, uh, you know, what not to do or what to do in your written works, you know, there are probably, you know, several points that are valid, and that might help you for struggling with something in particular in your writing journey. But I personally, like, what I like to do is I just, I like to keep those points in mind and maybe apply them, but definitely like, keeping them in mind versus using it as a strict rule to follow verbatim, you know, because, you know, at least for me personally, like, I write for fun. I write for, as a hobby. And while I still want to get better at writing, you know, in time, the main purpose of it for me is, is that it's fun. You know, I, I want to and still enjoy the process. I don't want to get burnt out or anything like that. Or like, you know, be overly stressed about it. So yeah, with writing, it's kind of weird because there are rules. I, I feel like there are rules, but there's also not rules. Or at least once you learn the rules, you can learn to bend them in a way that suits you and how you write as a person like your individual writing style to make something really unique to you and something that people haven't seen before that can really draw people in because like oh this is so cool and interesting and I don't think I've seen another writer do this before so honestly like just just kind of you know be loose with it or just write something super extremely self-indulgent you know just go for it you know just have fun with it you know that's that's what I always say. I love that answer. And I love that you talk about the rules. Because when I was in college, I had a very wise professor tell me one time that in life, it's important to know what the rules are. And it's important to learn them. And then it's important to know when to throw the rules away and break them. Yeah, for sure. I love that you give that advice for writing because you're right. There are a lot of resources out there that'll give you the do's and don'ts. But one of the beautiful things about fan fiction is that it can be as experimental. You know, you can post whatever. So break those rules. See what works. Something beautiful might come out of it. So that's wonderful. I love that you brought that up. Now, speaking of fan fiction in general, I wanted to talk a little bit about why you love fan fiction and why you think that fan fiction is worth writing and worth reading. Fan fiction is just, it's just so much fun. Like, they're, they're really, they're, I mean, it seems very simple, but it really is. It's just, it's just really, really fun. And especially when you start getting involved in like the communities, like I'm very active on my Tumblr. And also I'm a part of a Discord server where we're all fan fiction writers and we all get together and we, we talk and we give each other advice and give each other like tips and tricks and like we gush about our favorite characters. 
and it's just so much fun. Like, I just have a great time doing it. And fan fiction is absolutely worth writing and reading because there's nothing quite like it. It's all done by fellow fans. And you can tell once you start getting into really good fan fiction, there's nothing but love and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears put into that fan fiction. You can tell just by how a person writes and really gets into it that, you know, they're enjoying themselves as much as you're enjoying their story. It's really just a great time. I view it as fun, but there's definitely also a lot of merit to fanfiction. I know there's a stigma towards it, but honestly, I'm just like, okay, if you love these characters and you love this world and, you know, why, why wouldn't you want, like, more content of them? Why wouldn't you want more like story involving your favorite characters even in just like ridiculous situations ridiculous and funny and like in fan fiction terms it's commonly referred to as like crack like crack fan fiction but you know it's just all about exploring those fun ideas that you know we wouldn't really see in canon it's not something that we would see on tv or exploring different ideas exploring different alternative universes or like what would happen if we went with this choice versus this choice it's very fun. I absolutely adore it. I love that because you're right. Fan fiction lets us explore. We're exploring the world that we love so much. We're exploring canon. We're throwing out the rules sometimes a little bit when we expand on the canon or we throw out canon or whatever. But it's all very fun, but it's also exploratory because I feel like we're not just exploring the world and we're not just exploring the characters, but we're using these characters to explore ourselves. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I know a lot of people, they'll, I believe it's called vent fic, but if they're going through a certain situation and they just need a way to kind of get their feelings out, sometimes they'll just write a fan fiction and have their favorite characters kind of go through a similar situation and it kind of helps them as a writer and also as the audience because you never know what your audience is going through. And then they read your story and it's like, wow, like my favorite character is kind of going through the same thing that I'm going through. It can be cathartic and, you know, therapeutic in a way. I have experienced that cathartic side of fan fiction so many times. I'm not a writer myself. I just do a lot of reading. And I can't tell you how many times I have encountered a story that touched me so personally and so deeply because the author makes that character go through something that I'm going through personally. And it just means so much to see my favorite character encountering these same fears and hopes and anxieties and situations. And it just makes me feel so human to see that reflected in a fanfiction story. I love it. Another thing that I love about fanfiction, there are some things that the movie or the show or the book, um, you know, whatever it is, there's some things that aren't always explored. That side of the story isn't always told. And I love seeing writers take that side of the story and make it their own. Like I was saying before, like the, the part of me that is you, I had taken that scene and I had added to it. I gave it my own little twist, but I also added to it because I love those characters and I wanted more out of that moment, out of that scene. Um, so being able to write it and then share it and see how many people appreciated it in a way, it was just so nice. It's fun to explore these different ideas, these different traumas that the characters go through, their experiences, you know, their relationships, just what they go through. Fanfiction is a fantastic way 
uh, further exploring those ideas. I know in my in my other Works to Me series, I kind of touch more on Din Djarin's backstory and his PTSD and from just experiences that he's had prior to the events of The Mandalorian. And it's always fun to just explore the what could haves, the what ifs. And having that freedom to do so. Yes, I love that you're bringing up the expansive quality of fan fiction and that it gives us that chance to explore more of the characters that we love. I was sitting around the other day thinking about fan fiction, which I do a lot because I love it so much. But I was realizing that without fan fiction's ability to really flesh out a character for me, I'm not sure that I would love these characters as wholly and deeply as I do. You are so absolutely right. There's something just about fan fiction, and it just makes you love these characters so much more than like you already do. That was one of the things that got me into The Mandalorian, was reading just fantastic stories about you know din just like accidentally losing his son in the middle of a shopping market and then he has a little panic and then he turns around it's like oh okay you know he's safe but it's just something like mundane or domestic but it really just makes you love these characters so much more when they go through an experience like that Because it's not something that we see in canon all the time. Well, there's only so much that canon can give us, right? We get a 45-minute episode of Mandalorian, for instance, and there's only so much of the character that they can present to us in that 45 minutes. So the rest of what we know and what we feel about the character really does get filled in with the fanfiction. And then, you know, like, sometimes we just like to stick it to canon because uh, I'm just going to go ahead and kind of reference some of my other works. So I earlier this year um, in quarantine, the start of quarantine, I kind of sort of randomly got into Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And I kind of fell in love with two main characters, Jyn Erso and Cassian Andor. And I absolutely love them. But, you know, one of the things that spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie they die at the end of the movie and there was so much potential between those two characters and it's really fun with fan fiction is that we can completely just ignore the ending of the movie and just say oh they survived and this is like their lives afterwards and that's like definitely another thing that i love about fan fiction is just you know continuing to explore characters in the stories even if they aren't alive in canon and same thing with you know avengers endgame especially after watching avengers endgame i got really really into the marvel fandom because you know i wasn't done with tony stark i I didn't want him to be dead because i believe he deserved more time with you know his surrogate son peter so reading fan fiction was definitely a great way to cope with that and to just ignore canon and be like oh no everything is fine and dandy and they're all happy and it's good the characters live on in the fan fiction stories and it's just so beautiful because even if we have to say goodbye to them in the movies or in the show we don't really have to say goodbye because they're always going to be there as long as there are authors out there willing to write it. I just have to say that I am very excited for the Rogue One spinoff series for a couple of reasons. I agree that the main character is very interesting to me and I'm super excited to see that. Oh my god, girl. 
Yeah, no, you are totally, you totally just unlocked my Rogue One side now. You know, sorry to go on a little side tangent. I know this is, you know, mainly about the Mandalorian. But, you know, since we brought up Rogue One, yeah, me and the Discord server that I'm a part of, we are very, very excited for the Cassian Andor show. And we love Diego Luna, and we love his character in Rogue One. And if we were so excited to see that they were going to make a, a spinoff series for Cassian, because it was so sad to see his character you know who was so so interesting and complex you know we were so sad to see him gone so soon we were like we just got to know him and he's gone and but it's so but we were so excited to see yeah the his spinoff show Andor. yeah that'll be so cool to see so that's definitely one thing that i'm looking forward to i know not everyone cared much for that character but i'm definitely excited and i'm so happy to know that you are also excited I am so excited. And I hear you about some fans not being as excited. I bring up Cassian Andor in my household at least once a week because I'm so excited. Nobody shares my enthusiasm here. My husband just, yeah, he rolls his eyes and he's like, if I have to hear about Diego Luna and Cassian Andor one more time. But I am. I'm so excited for so many different reasons. I mean, obviously, the Cassian Andor character is so complex and so interesting. Oh, me too. And there's a history there that I'm so excited to explore. I'm so excited for the plethora of fan fiction. I am so excited. See, that's another. Th that's one thing to be excited about is the fan fiction. Yeah, because you know, as soon as that series hits. Oh, for sure. You bet I'm going to be one of those people, by the way. Oh, good. That's why I'm going to continue following you, obviously. Because I'm so excited to see what you produce with Cassie and Andor. That's just going to be so fantastic. The other thing that I just really love is that we have a Latino actor doing Star Wars. You know, my father's from Mexico, so I like to joke with my family and be like, oh, look, the Latinos are taking over Star Wars. Because you have, you know, Pedro Pascal, who's obviously amazing and we love him. And now we're going to have Cassian Andor with Diego Luna. And so it's just a joy to look up on the screen and see a man playing a Star Wars character who has an accent like my father. That was very meaningful to me to see that. And I think very meaningful for a lot of people who can relate to that. So it's just it's so exciting. It's no, no, no. That's so cool. Because I'm definitely excited. You know, not not ex for the exact same reason, but I'm. I mean, I'm Asian. If you if you can't quite if you can't quite tell. But yeah, seeing POC representation, especially in Star Wars, like I know we, we it's kind of like a joke, but to call like a like Diego Luna, Pedro Pascal, and like Oscar Isaac, like the the our, our space Latinos. But no, we we absolutely love them and adore them, and it's so it's so great to just see more diversity, you know, on screen. So I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, definitely excited for Cassian's show yeah and to see you know more interesting characters of color for my final question for today I was hoping that you could tell us some of your predictions and your hopes for Mandalorian season three which we have to wait a few years to see apparently it's not coming out till 2022 you know it really is just a shame that the hiatus is so long because they've left us at a rather tricky spot with the season two finale especially you know having our two main characters be separated for who knows how long but I think as long as, at least for me, I'm a simple woman, you know, as long as Din and Grogu are reunited at some point and, you know, they get to be together, I'm good. <laughs> 
I mean, I definitely think that they will be exploring Mandalore and maybe like what it means to be a Mandalorian. Like, where is Din going to go from here kind of conversation and actually see that. Like, what are they going to do with the Darksaber? And they left Moff Gideon alive. So, assumingly, he's going to continue to be the antagonist in the show. It's kind of what they'll do with that. I know for the longest time, I was trying to figure out, like, what is the end game with this show? I feel like it was kind of hard to tell where they were trying to go with the show. Because, I mean, not that I want it to end anytime soon, because, you know, I love it. it it's a ride-or-die show for me. I'm there till the very end. But yeah, definitely, like, trying to figure out where they're going with it. And it definitely seems like they're going from, you know, season one that had a very small-town, isolated feel to something a lot bigger. Part of me is intrigued, of course. Like, I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm trying to figure out where they're going to go from here but mainly i'm there for my favorites and their relationship other father-son bond hopefully because i believe that to be the very foundation of the show and i just hope that they continue that in a, somehow i just want them back that's all <laughs> I agree 100% and I hope that we do eventually get to see Din Djarin and Grogu reunite because I agree that that's the whole emotional payoff for the whole show is really that father-son relationship between those two characters and sometimes in real relationships we do have to separate from the ones that we love for a little bit to grow on our own and have our own experiences on our own journeys. But it's always so wonderful to see two people that have great love for each other come back and reunite and get to continue on together. So I'm totally with you on that, that I hope that at the conclusion of the entire story arc, we do get to see Din and Grogu back together. Yeah, we're definitely in the same wavelength there. That does conclude my questions for today. Asuna China Doll, do you have any last words for us? The only thing I'm going to say is, you know, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's so cool to see someone reach out to fan fiction authors. Because, you know, like, as an author, and I'm maybe I'm speaking for other fan fiction authors in this instance, too. But, like, it's so cool to see fan fiction be talked about more. And, you know, we just love it so much. And, you know, as content creators, it's just so cool to see people love our stories and, you know, comment and kudos or, you know, even just take the time to read the things that we create and the things that we post. So, yeah, it really is just an absolute joy. And I'm so glad for this opportunity. <laughs> I'm so glad I got to fan fiction in the first place. Like, honestly, you know, if you're a little bit iffy about fan fiction for whatever reason you know just start just it's all about starting and then once you start then you'll be sucked in and then you'll be just like the rest of us you know and there's nothing wrong with that at all because we have a good time it's all in good fun one of us one of us <laughs> asana china doll thank you so much for joining us today everyone check out her stories on ao3 and give her some love if you'd like to reach out to me i can be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling.